What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am John, and um, this is a little bit of a, a weird situation that I found myself in. Um, so I'm on my way to a funeral back home in Delaware, and as such, uh, it has basically thrown a whole wrench in everything that uh, we typically do for the week uh, with Dan, typically Wednesdays or Tuesdays uh, sometimes. Uh, Dan and I record the intros for episodes, and as such, since I am leaving on Monday as of when I'm recording this, um, that's just not really happening. So um, got a little creative with this one. Uh, about a week ago, uh, the episode I did with Scott Bowling for his show Good Company with Bowling aired. Uh, I reached out to Scott and basically said, you know, I would like to drop the audio version uh, from the YouTube version of the video. I know it's a lot of versions and so forth, but uh, basically I wanted to drop in the interview because I thought, you know, it's kind of... We haven't really necessarily discussed uh, my backstory, really, I guess, on how the podcast started. Um, you know, I've done a couple of other shows that, you know, we've, we've mentioned and so forth. But, um, you know, after having Dan kind of go like, oh, I really enjoyed this and, you know, him sharing it, saying like, you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes of, you know, our show uh, contained within that interview that Scott and I did. Uh, I kind of, you know, thought it would be kind of cool to, to drop the audio in here and, and kind of maybe also raise awareness of another show that maybe you guys aren't aware of. Good Company, if you're not aware of what it is, is is almost like discography discussion in the sense that basically Scott brings in a musician to talk about their their career, uh, basically from the beginning all the way to now. Uh, a lot of times he has, you know, the records themselves, you know, the band people tell really cool, interesting stories about making that record and touring on it and so forth. And it's just really cool. But the, the thing that makes it pretty interesting is that it's in Scott's house and he has these people there. Uh, in person, and you can see it on YouTube. Uh, so if you go to YouTube and check out uh, Good Company with Bowling or Scott Good Company, uh, there's a, a few iterations of a ways to get there. But uh, Scott had me out while I was down in Atlanta with my wife and our friends, and it was pretty interesting to go see his setup to literally be like, wow, your basement. Uh, I think one of my favorite stories actually was a uh, a friend of mine who lives in Portland going, yeah, so just this part of Scott's basement over is probably the size of my, like, one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was really cool to kind of see all the stuff on Scott's walls, all the memorabilia that he's collected and had given to him from some of his past guests. And uh, meeting Nathan and the Kind Punk crew, uh, just kind of seeing how something of that magnitude kind of looks and, and what goes into it. Uh, as someone who loves the behind-the-scenes kind of things, I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, we will have Nathan on the show at some point. Uh, you know, he's really busy doing uh, videos for himself and doing stuff for AEW. And, you know, we kind of get into a little bit of AEW talk as well. Um, but this is just a fun kind of different perspective of, I guess, me and the podcast and what it's grown into and, and kind of a little bit more about uh, that, more behind-the-scenes stuff. And it kind of really wasn't until Dan and I were talking, and more so when Dan posted uh, and shared the video, that he was like, you know, there's a lot of interesting behind-the-scenes stuff about this podcast, particularly on that show. And I guess I didn't really think of it like that. So while it feels a little self-indulgent to drop the audio of this uh, given the fact that I'm the focal point of the show, um, I do think it is kind of interesting to hear some of the beginnings of this podcast and, and where it all started, because I don't really know that I have talked much about the very beginning beginnings of this podcast. Um, I know I've been on a couple other shows, but I think this is also a great way just to kind of, like I said, um, to introduce you maybe to Scott's show, if you're not aware of it, with something that you're already familiar with, which is me. Um, 
hopefully Dan and I can get down there and uh, do something with Scott. Uh, that was sort of the plan before the pandemic kind of hit and, you know, uh, Dan had another little one. Um, but this is a lot of fun. And I, I also want to thank Scott for letting me use this audio. Um, I reached out to him and asked him if he, if he minded if I used it uh, and dropped it in our feed. And he was super gracious as he was, uh, you know, inviting us into his home and all that kind of stuff. But this was uh, really cool. And I, like I said, I just want to kind of get as many eyes and ears on what Scott's doing as possible. So when you're done with this, uh, like I said, go over to YouTube, find him, Good Company with Bowling, or uh, go on Facebook, uh, social media, wherever. Should all be under Good Company with Bowling. And uh, give him a follow because he's definitely doing some really cool stuff. And he definitely supports the more DIY podcast scene, you know, with discography discussion, talk to me, Roach Coach, and stuff like that. You know, there are constant photos of, you know, some of the guests he's had on that definitely have a big name holding up, you know, some of our, our local small podcast merch and stuff like that. And, you know, to get that kind of opportunity uh to to be represented in such a way is really awesome without further ado let's go into his conversation with me down in atlanta georgia scott bowling Hey guys, my name is Scott Bowling, and I'm with John Beatty from Brutally Speaking Podcast, or what? What did Nathan call it? He called it uh, brutality. brutality. Brutality speaking. Yeah, yeah. I That's... have the tallies of the bru- how brutal I get. <laughs> we just—it's like you know, some uh, veterans you know have the ears that they keep around their necklaces. I just keep like a tally of brutals. That's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> John's awesome, man. He's the first guy on the show to bring like beer. And uh, especially this White Claw, man. I'm yeah, you know, we, uh, the we, make, we make that back in Grand Rapids. Do you? Really? No, we don't. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know if you came up with the title Claw or was no. it Thunder Claw? Anyway, sorry, man. Uh, no, good. Brutally speaking, man, I love the logo, first of all. And I didn't know your show was that old. I went on your uh, podcast. I was like, 2016 or something? Yeah. And um, it was untitled, too, right? Yeah, so I wasted the good name. You know, like in that scene in Big Daddy, like when the, uh, John Stewart comes in, they're like, surprise. Oh, we wasted a good surprise yeah, on you. Yeah, we wasted a good surprise yeah. on you. So I wasted the good name on the first <laughs> podcast I had with uh, three of my friends. We called it Two Drunk Dicks. Uh, that was the name? Yes. Uh, I still have all the episodes. I've thought about releasing it sub, uh, as a sub-podcast like everyone does now. Um, it's not great. It was basically literally us just, it's like Wayne's World. Us in the basement getting shitty Nothing drunk and just talking about things. Um but I got to the point with it where I was like, I want to start kind of doing more of an interview-based thing. Uh, one of my tattoo artist friends, uh, we were at the bar one night. There's a theme, if you haven't figured it out. Yeah. Um, and he was like, <laughs> you know, you're really good at asking like different kinds of questions and getting people to open up. And so it was one of those things where when we did that, I was like, well, you know, I want to do this podcast. I don't have a name. So it was just Johnson's Title Podcast because I couldn't think of a good name. And it was supposed to be a placeholder name until I came up with something better, and I just never did. Okay. And when, when you first did your interview, was that the first time you've ever interviewed somebody? Yeah. 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 I mean, it started with my tattoo artist. Like, if you go back to episode one, I did one, listen it's, to that, yeah. Him. And it sounded very natural, too. It wasn't like an awkward thing or nothing, man. I mean, it, were you nervous at all or just come no. very natural? Well, I think it's the thing that we always do with podcasts or anything that we want to do creatively is we always reach out to those that maybe inspire us that yeah. are around us and... More to the point that we feel familiar with. So, like, because you don't want to start out doing something and not know, especially if it's going to, like, suck yeah. anyway. You don't want to, like, waste someone's, <laughs> like, someone else's time. But it was just a, a thing where, you know, and even to, like, my wife went on, uh, she listened back to it. She was like, you know, that, that person, Chris, um, 
is kind of soft-spoken uh, and doesn't really open up like that very often. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was, she was like, I'm surprised you got him to talk about these certain things. And, uh, you know, even he afterward was like, I, I'm, you know, I've never really talked about this or that or, you know, like some of the stuff with, like, his family and his upbringing and stuff like that he never really talked about to people. Did you, like, for, did, were you, like, before the interview, did you prepare, like, hardcore? Were you, like, nope. I, yeah, nope. just kind of winged it? The only thing I had really prepared for him was, you know, I, obviously I have a lot of tattoos and I spent a lot of time with Chris talking about a lot of different stuff um, while you're getting tattooed. And so something that interested me was the concept of, you know, basically tattoo artists being like therapists. Mm. And, you know, because of shows like Ink Master and all these kind of things, all you were seeing were people going like, here's this horrible tragedy that happened in my life and I want to commemorate it. Now let me unburden all of this shit onto you. Like, mm. I was in an abusive relationship with my husband and I couldn't get out and, you know, I almost died and that's what this is. And then yeah. it's like, that person then has to take that and talk and keep going as they're doing their work, but then they gotta go home. And it's like, how does that affect your relationship? Like, you know, maybe you have a, a spouse or a significant other that's not in that industry or doesn't have to deal with those kind of serious topics. Yeah. And, you know, they come home and they're like, yeah, so Becky didn't come into work and I had to close <laughs> and fold her shirts for her today and cover her zone or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I had to hear about this woman getting horribly beaten for four hours. Yeah. And I gave them a piece of themselves back. And it's those kind of things I don't think, you know, the average person maybe thinks about. Yeah. And That's so that so was kind of the, the crux of sort of, I guess, my show. Like, Dan, when we changed it to Brutally Speaking, everyone wanted to call it clickbaity. And I was like, fuck no, we're not doing that. <laughs> no one will come on that show if that's what we call it. Clickbaity. That's so. when, okay, uh, that's, that's really cool. Uh, when did you first meet uh, Daniel Terry? He's the man. So, yeah. Um, I've never met Dan uh, in person. Oh, really? No, we've never met. Wow. So when you guys went to uh, Rock and Pod, Rock and Pod, uh, one, Zach, I think. Yeah. No, no, I went you to You went to two. two? Okay, I think that yeah. was the one they went to as well. Yeah, um, I get to sit with them and hang out. So everyone went to that, I think the collection of the podcast that we're all kind of interconnected with. And I thought about going, but I was like, I don't really know anybody. And uh, we had kind of figured out that Toomey was kind of shopping us some of the same people. Like, hey, I got uh, uh, Jared Montague from Taproot, and he's got this book, and he's trying to do some other yes. podcasts. And I was like, I mean, I live in Michigan, and Taproot's a big part of our local Love Taproot. Uh, music scene. He lives in North Carolina, too, by the way, I think. He's not does that he? far away. Yeah, North Carolina. No, no, not Jared. I'm sorry. The drummer oh. does. Oh. <laughs> I was he, like, the drummer wrote the book, right? Yeah, Tribute Jared. Rock stars. Yeah, Jared. Yeah. Yep, Jared still How lives in Michigan. I'm getting that confused, man. I, I thought he lived in North Carolina. Maybe he doesn't. No, he still lives in Michigan. Does <laughs> <laughs> anyone in the band live in North Carolina? No, I'm kidding. No, uh, yeah. Steven still, still lives uh, in Michigan, and God, I think wild. everyone does. Anyway, as far man, I'm sorry. I know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I was doing an episode with, uh, um, God, I'm blanking on his name now, uh, Adam Morgan from Hope's Fall. Okay. And I know Dan's a big Hope's Fall fan, but like I only knew Adam through Instagram being a vinyl collector. Like I collect vinyl. And one day I was just like, oh, I'd like to have someone on to talk about vinyl. And then I realized that he had posted that like the new Hope's Fall record was coming out, like a big surprise, like, hey, we're back and we're putting out a record. I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't even know you were in a band, <laughs> let alone this monumental band that so many people love. And I ended up uh, hitting up Dan. I was like, hey, do you want to come and like co host this with me? And like, you can do most of the heavy working. Yeah. And, uh, I'll probably piggyback off of you, but like, cause I want to talk about something different and then maybe I'll find things in what you do that I can kind of piggyback off of. And I think we did that for like two and a half hours. And then after that, like I had another one with uh, Blasco the next day. Yeah. 
And then like, so it like, we just did a couple in a row. It felt better to do them with somebody else instead of me, especially doing intros and so forth. Cause who the fuck wants to hear one person talk? Do you edit it by yourself or do you have some? Oh yeah. Yep. Much to my wife's chagrin, I do spend a lot of time editing and, and doing all that Was stuff. Was that learning? I mean, you, you oh. edit from day one. Yeah. It's, and that's why the show, like, it's funny cause like, you know, Timmy and I have talked about this and I don't know, I mean, your show is a little bit different in medium form, but, um, you know, Toomey was kind of talking about how if he's taken some of his older episodes and taken them out because mm-hmm. he doesn't like how it sounds because it doesn't opinion. sound yeah. the same. So he was saying like if somebody searches his name and finds episode one. Yeah. Ugh. But to me, I feel like almost like a band. I kind of approach it more like a, a band's first record. Like, you know, a lot of people now, you know, maybe the dudes in corn hear that first record and they're like, ah, oh, fuck, I wish I could change the guitar tone, my vocal takes. I'm mm-hmm. such a better musician now. I want to go back and re-record it or yeah. I wish I could go back and do it again. But to us fans, there's something that lives in that that's kind of special in, in that raw form. And to me, I want people to maybe go back to the 250 plus episodes we got and go, right. oh, this show kind of was shaky. Like there's something in the core of it that is really good. Yeah. But it took a little while to find its footing. And then when it did, like, oh, now this this show that I like. And I, to me, I, I'm kind of proud of that. Like, you know. Oh, you're so, dude, I totally agree with that. And and I love, like, when I find a great podcast, I love I love going all the way back and seeing where they started. Yeah. That's great because I feel guilty now because my very first episode I took off because I hated <laughs> it so bad. It was so cringy. But uh, but that, that that is a good point. Maybe I'll add it on there because, I, I, like you said, man, it, I, I couldn't imagine Corn getting rid of their first the first album or whatever you know a lot it, of bands are doing it's, that now, it's though. great though re-records uh man i have so many uh, so anyway okay daniel terry has this describing discussion i thought you were in this for some reason no but you're, you were never a part of this no i mean he uh he was had this me- before brutally speak yes dan had his own podcast first and then once we kind of figured out like uh we were getting shopped like the same people he was like all right like kind of like checked out my show liked it for uh what it is and mm. Then when they was like, hey, like, you know, we like to have co-hosts on, like, pick a band. And it is the infamous Esley Dying episode that okay. is, like, four hours long. I think I drank an entire fifth of <laughs> gin uh, during it, which is why at the very end it gets real sloppy. I start ideas and I don't finish them. I name drop some people for no reason. I don't finish explaining that story. None of it got edited. It's just... It's, no, it uh, no, actually, there was probably a good 30, 40 minutes of it edited. Um, <laughs> but... It's it's one of those like Dan has told me numerous times he's like it's one of our most downloaded episodes. No way, I have to listen to it. I missed that one. It's, but I didn't understand, because I mean like, and I think you and I probably would agree with this. Like yeah. you can ask a bunch of different people, what is discography discussion? And someone might be like, oh, it's just a, a quick overlay of of what you know a band's discography is and what it means to you. Mm-hmm. I was like <laughs> on the Asley Dying episode, I was like trying to talk about like Jacob Bannon working on the artwork and how crazy it is that <laughs> That's you have how it this leads dude. into four hour interview. <laughs> well yeah, because like I was focusing on like, oh like, you know, from uh Frill Words Collapse to Shadows of Security, you know, like the guitar playing and the like the production and everything is so much better and like you know the the progression of the band and the individuals and it was one of those things where like they're just like yeah this song's really cool i like this and you're just like oh okay i'm going way too deep and way too like <laughs> too into nerdy. the minutia and you, that's not what it is and so it, it's kind of like when you're on anyone's show like but you kind of got to find the that, rhythm though. Yeah. yeah some people do i don't i don't know i mean i love learning out about records and, and bands and so forth like when you were doing the interview earlier talking about uh vocal display of power or far yeah. beyond driven i'm yeah. sorry like, that was a record that, like, was my first Pantera No way, record. that was mine. That was my first, like, I had heard Cowboys, I had heard uh, Far Beyond Driven, or I mean, Jesus, keep doing that. No, 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 yeah. um, but the other one, but it was like, Far Beyond Driven was the first Pantera record that when it came out, like, I went and bought it 
like at that point, and I was like, oh my god. So you were a fan, and and you and that was the first like new record of theirs that had come out. Okay, when I bought it, I simply bought it. I was fourteen, and I liked the album cover. The original, it's blue. No, not the original. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, wasn't the. Was the original ever released? Yes. Uh, actually, you can find it now on vinyl that with the original album cover. A lot of times, and especially like Barnes & Noble, you'll see yeah. a big sticker right over it. <laughs> so it's, uh, it is still available. You can still buy it. I think I have a copy, actually, of the original album cover. So, okay. Uh, uh, that's cool. You should frame it. I mean, it, oh, yeah. That'd be good in the I mean, I listen to a lot of my vinyl, so like, <laughs> there's only a few records I have that I want to get framed, like my Corn uh, first record, Test Press, that I still, Dan still has, actually. Dude, I love your um, your taste in music because it's like mine's like goes crazy. But like Aaliyah and and Tupac, all these like '90s hip hop. How'd you get into? Were you into that before metal? Oh yeah. Well, so it's funny, like you know, and I, th- I think you know, obviously being married, you'll probably understand this. Like as you learn to communicate with your your spouse uh, and you talk about your shared experiences or the things that make you who you are, and, and basically filling in the gaps of time that you don't have with each other. Uh, there have been things that I realized, like, I, I'm originally from Delaware, and now, you know, the Wayne's World joke always comes up. Do yep. you hate that? Yes. <laughs> Instantly, yeah. I think that, dude. I, I, yeah, everyone does. We're um, in Delaware. Yeah, but it's a, it's a thing where it's, I grew up completely differently. Like, you know, I wasn't that far away from Philly. So, and like my neighbors, like, we lived out in the middle of the country. Like, we had Amish neighbors, and then, like, uh, uh, our neighbors uh, worked with my dad at Kraft uh, Foods at the time. And, uh, I remember like our neighbor, like he was, I think five or six years older than me, was always playing basketball. Like he was like in his teens. And I just remember being like, he seems so cool. I wanna be like him. And so like, that's how I got into basketball. I remember playing NBA Live 95 with him and him throwing on the first Aaliyah record. And I was like, I don't know what this is. Like I've not heard this. Yeah. I am a product of the MTV generation. Like that was the one channel that was always on in our house. And you know, like even back when you had like Matt Pinfield on, like saying like you would have something like 120 minutes that would kind of give you some of the alternative stuff. You'd have Yo MTV Raps, which would kind of yeah. give you more of that, you know, headbangers ball. Like you had such a wide array of music being presented to you. And in the early nineties, like that was kind of a really interesting coming out of the eighties and into the nineties was an interesting time because look at the what was popular popular music yeah. encompassed so much mm. that it's like yeah there are so many one-hit wonders but they covered so many genres like that's kind of why i love the term new metal because new metal covered everything from industrial to rap to yeah. anything and everything in between and so to me it's like that's how i've always been it's just appreciative of music as a whole and i think what's funny is at times doing some of these interviews like i just dan and i did one with uh, spencer from periphery for his new band and I was like, yo, I'm really getting some like early Bobby Brown vibes on this like song <laughs> lyrically, awesome. like how you're like doing yeah. your vocals. And he was like, oh, like huge inspiration. And it's like, I don't know that like you can have some of these kind of conversations with people if your lane is just metal. Mm-hmm. And I have been called out on a couple of times. Where, like, I don't think he likes metal or hardcore because he always is like on discography discussion being like, so I've been really listening to the TLC Crazy Sexy Cool record for the last two weeks. Like I can go deep down on that with you. Like if you ever want to do one of those, like. I'm the dude. I would listen to that too, man. That's good. Oh my god, I would love I, to do that. I one. love the shirts you like rip. And you were saying, I remember one time you said, like, if you're at a concert and you'd be like, "I'm the dude wearing the uh, <laughs> Aaliyah shirt," you can yeah. find me. Like, <laughs> so when we went to the Slayer farewell show uh, the week before, my wife and I went and saw NWA. It was just Ice Cube, uh, MC Ren, and that's cool. Uh, it wasn't with Dr. Dre, um, but Ice T performed before him. And so I bought this shirt. I, have, I brought it with me. I should have wore it today, but I didn't want to have like a 
chicken like a one of those like singlet thong things on it but uh it was one of those things where i wore that to the slayer show and like i i tweeted i was like you know most people out there wearing their like best black t-shirt that they have or buying another one i'm out here in this like navy blue like ice t-shirt with like you know and uh i see like retweeted it and was just like that's what's up like that's that's cool oh that's awesome and dude. was one of those things where to me it's like hey it just helps me stand out a little bit more yeah like like when we went to sonic temple i was wearing the first day i think this mariah carey shirt i have Mm-hmm. And a again, it's a white T-shirt and it has a rainbow on it, so it's like I stand out amongst most people. So when she wants to find, she's shaking her head right now. Yeah. So when she wants to find me, like it's easy to spot me. Were well, a lot of people talking to you about it? like if you're on her beard? Absolutely. Like, yeah. uh, there were a lot of people that like would come to me like when I'm watching a band. They're like, I really love your shirt, or I took a photo of it. I don't I hope. I hope that you're not weirded out. I'm like, no. Did care. you have to take photos of people? No, like people. I think people just do that thing. They only do where they kind of like look, like we were trying to last night with Ludacris. So we were like, can you get a photo? Boy, last night I saw this. You you saw Ludacris? Yeah. So we were at this uh, fine establishment. Yeah, we were at this uh, speakeasy uh, called the Red Telephone Booth. Okay. Is that what it's called? What was that? Red Booth. Red Booth. Okay. Um, but it's a speakeasy in the traditional sense. Like you, there's a, literally a red telephone booth, mm-hmm. uh, like a, a European style one on the outside. And then, I mean, you got to use your cell phone now for like COVID reasons, but yeah. you go there and then they let you in and we didn't know what we were getting That's into. Cool. And then, uh, I definitely was not dressed to go there, Yeah. but the guy was super cool and let us in. And then they sat us in the section and then probably like 40 minutes later, like here comes like ludicrous. I hear his voice and I'm like, I know that voice. You know the voice. And then I was like trying to low key tell everybody like, like my <laughs> wife came back from bed and was like, that's ludicrous. Don't look. And then like to like my other friend, I was like, that's ludicrous. Don't look like, cause I didn't want everyone to figure it out at some point and then do that thing where you're all like, like trying to talk because he's literally like from here to there. So it's like, he can see and hear us. So I'm like, just let him be. <laughs> Even though I really wanted to go say something when he was done, but I just was like, Oh, you didn't? You didn't meet nah, him? No, nah. no. Oh, okay. That's Not cool. really the vibe, and I didn't want to get kicked out for, you know. Fanning out. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're like, he's like royalty, basically. You love yeah. Atlanta, though. You've been, yeah. you love the Braves and everything. What's your love for Atlanta? Like, uh, you... 96 Braves. 95 Braves, actually. Started with Deion Sanders. Okay, yeah, um, Deion Sanders. Yeah. Yep. So Deion Sanders was uh, the reason. I fell in love with Atlanta in the first place because obviously played for the Falcons and the Braves, mm. and it just so happened the Braves had a good team. That's when I love the Braves. Yeah, they won the championship, right? Yep. Ninety-five. Ninety-five. Yeah, yep. yeah. They, I remember like David Justice. All those David guys. Justice. Yeah, David yeah. Justice. The the great pitching rotation we had of uh, Maddox, Smoltz, uh, mm, Glavin, wow. um, Terry Pendleton, yeah, first I base. Him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like my fandom runs so deep with it at times. Like when people are like, "Oh, like remember when you had Marquise Grissom?" I was like, "Fucking hated that dude," because he came from the Indians. And yeah. The Indians and them were like rivals at the time, and I was like, "So he played from that one season." I was like, I "Don't like him. <laughs> Never liked him." It's almost like that episode or that uh, Major League Two with Jack Parkman yeah. when he shows up and oh yeah, I love and that he movie. was like super great, and they were like, "Oh my god, we got Jack <laughs> Parkman," and then he was just a dick the whole time, yeah. and then he went to the White Sox, and you're like. Yeah, I still hate him. So same when he went back to the Indians, I was like, I still fucking hate you. <laughs> I think it's funny, man. That as long as I've been doing this like well, a few years, but this is the first time I've actually name dropped a sports <laughs> like David Justice. First time we talked about sports, which was really yeah. cool. No, the first time we came here, um, <laughs> this is a great story. Um, we were staying downtown, and uh, we were trying to get an Uber to go to the Atlanta Falcons game, and. Just, I mean, if you've ever been down there for a game, like, yeah. you know how just busy it gets. Like, yeah, it's, it's so hard to get people. And we're staying at this hotel, and this dude shows up in a Tattletales van, like, just a Tattletales rap van. <laughs> so we're like, all right, that's a strip club van. And the guy's like, trying to go to the game? We're like, sure. He goes, you got cash? We're like, sure. He's like, get in. We're like, all right. 
So we get in, and this dude was tweaking the fuck out. No like, way. he was cranking the AC, turning it down, rolling down the windows, t- turning up the music, turning it down. And I'm in the front seat with him, and I'm like, dude, are you okay? And, like, it was sketchy, but, like, we only had, like, a half mile to go, like, to get to the stadium. So I was like, whatever, like, we're fine. And then I basically, like, threw money at him like a stripper and was like, okay, I got to go by. But we got to the game slightly late. It was uh, them playing the Panthers, uh, which is significant because that was the game Matt Ryan and Julio Jones set the single-season record for uh, passing yards and uh, receiving yards. Oh, cool. Um, but on our way in, uh, Ric Flair was coming out. Oh, Ric Flair. And yes, I was like, yes. holy shit, holy shit, that's Ric Flair. And, like, I don't smile in photos. Like, that ain't me. <laughs> I'm cheesing like a motherfucker. Like, just like, and, like, he's like, the best part was, like, he comes in and I was like, Mr. Flair, can I get a photo? And he goes, absolutely. Give me a second. Opens his suit, pulls out his sunglasses. He's like, all right, let's go. No way. Yeah, he was, like, just, you know, slick Rick, man. He was, like, the showman. And, like, I remember telling my wife when I was done, I go, I don't know if his suit's so expensive because I've never felt an expensive suit that that's what they feel like, but it felt cheap as shit. <laughs> and then, like, they were like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know either. I was like, but I'm imagining Ric Flair's got money, so, he, I mean, he's got the drip, so, like, he's good. That's probably just what expensive suits feel like. You don't got no sweat stains on him. So it was, it was a lot of fun, and people were just like, did you know he was going to be there? I was like, I had no clue. I showed up, like... Halfway through the first quarter, we had no idea he was going to be there. That should be uh, on a t-shirt, like your picture of Ric yeah. Flair. <laughs> that should be a logo. <laughs> yeah. That would be very awkward. <laughs> do you watch wrestling? I do. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I don't watch WWE anymore. It's pretty much garbage. Uh, do you watch AEW? I do. Yeah, I like it. The, oh, my yeah. guys do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a great show, and I think like they are... You know, in this this whole thing, I think even us as podcasters, us as, as people, have mm-hmm. all been trying to figure out a way to make the new norm. Mm-hmm. And I think AEW has done a great job of figuring out different ways to make wrestling, which is a very interactive live experience, work without that. They were the first really to, even when they didn't have the, the audience, which was just made up of their own their own wrestlers yeah. and, and the backstage people and so forth, they still put out a product where they didn't need to rely on it. They went back to the fundamentals of wrestling, and which is just tell story with what you're doing in the ring. And... I think, you know, Jericho is a great example. Like, he is the master of getting over the absolutely most ridiculous shit. Like, arguing with a drone. There, there's nothing to work off of. Like, that that solely has to be because he makes it seem real. Yeah. And he does. And, you know, everyone that's on that roster, you know, there are a lot of them from the independent scene. You know, like uh, MJF and uh, Andy from uh, ETID, uh, him and his partner, uh, Pepper Parks, or uh, Butcher and Blade as they're known. Uh, you know, like they've been on the independence for the last couple of years. Like, you know, they've been, it was crazy hearing their podcast and actually hearing Andy go like, I have this gimmick. I have an idea for a new gimmick for us. And it's going to like, we're going to go like old school, like butcher and blade, you know, like gangs in New York style. Mm. You know, I'm not seeing this kind of stuff because Andy's got a love for like old, like old wrestling and not just wrestling here in the States, but like all kinds of wrestling. Um, and so it was cool to see the nucleus of, of that idea. And then you see it every week and it's getting over. And like, you know, it's crazy to see that they are giving their their roster the freedom to be what they want their characters to be. And it connects with the fans. And then even the, you know, when they became the first to have the wrestlers in the in the crowd, it at least gave it that sense of normalcy mm-hmm. where you're like, okay, like, oh, there's a cheap pop. Or in some instances, uh, where they're getting other storylines being built off of it, like, oh, so-and-so is ringside, you know, MJF's, like, taking bets, of, like, oh, this guy's gonna lose, this person's not, like, and then it kind of created a feud down the road, like, because they were out there betting every yeah. week, and it's, like, they're taking 
nothing in an unprecedented time and they're making the best of it. And I, I think that's, we all can learn from that. Oh, that's so cool, yeah, man. Like, I wonder who writes out all these scripts. And I, yeah. I mean, I know they have writers, obviously, uh, you know, but like, I think something that works for them that is interesting and is a concept that my wife and I argue about quite a bit is, uh, you know, they have like Arn and Tully, like, you know, mm -hmm. they have roots in the old school, obviously Cody with his daddy and Dustin, Dusty Reynolds and all that kind of stuff. You have ties to like some of the earliest wrestling that there's ever been here in the States. And it was always about story. It was always about letting the people be who they wanted to be naturally. And as such, you know, you also have your foot in the new where you have people just doing weird, crazy shit. Like I said, like with Matt Hardy and the broken Matt Hardy and the yeah. drones and all this kind of stuff. And it's wrestling like we've never seen. But it obviously had an impact because WWE for WrestleMania bit half of the stuff they were doing. Like wow. the vignettes and the, and the mini movies and stuff like that. Like the pre-recorded matches and you're not seeing that shit. Mm -hmm. Like it's easy to adopt. It's hard to become come up with something new. It's easy to steal someone else's idea, but it's something going back to finish my thought about like something my wife and I kind of argue about is tribal knowledge. Mm -hmm. So you, I feel like AEW is learning from the tribal knowledge of the old wrestlers that came before where it was about what's happening literally in the ring. Everything else is bullshit. It doesn't matter. It's about the connection of telling a story and the a lot of time you have and making the best of what you have and pulling the best out of each other. Dude, that's well said. You need to do a wrestling podcast, man. I actually want, there's so many podcast ideas I have that I want to do, but I just don't want to like have my wife hate me for uh, spending so much time in my room. Like Brandy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about this. You helped me like start Teespring, right? My yeah, Teespring. Teespring. Yep. Look at this, man. You got your own socks, dude. I mean, you have my own socks. I don't have my own socks. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought it was kind of tacky to have I your took own your stuff. Socks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're everybody's socks. Yeah. Have well, you? I guess you haven't worn them. Yet. I haven't worn them. Are yet. they comfortable? They're like red hot chili peppers. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah, you right. know, they wear the socks. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the black circle's for, then, right? I love this logo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway man yeah I, lo I love this man if you want your own brutally speaking t-shirt yeah. how do you find it man you just go on your website yeah yeah it's weird to say I have a website you were actually one of the, the first that like out of all of us had a website I was like Man, Scott's ahead of the game. I didn't want to, man. I was like, this is like... A, it's weird. Everybody tells you you need one, or they told me I need one. I, but do you? Like, I still don't know. There's well, like when that, I all reach that, out I to people, know. it's easy. If like, hey, you want to be on my show? And then I kind of shoot them a, yeah. like, a own. Yeah. Website. My website's not good, though. It just It's all my videos. <laughs> that's all it is. I mean, that's the weird thing about it, though. Like, when you start kind of... This... this Venture is as close to being in a band or whatever that I really can feel like, or a business that I can kind of really think of because it's like you do something like this and you're like, is this tacky? Like, yeah. you have socks with my logo on it. Like, it's I sweet. feel like that's tacky. <laughs> but I'm also like, you know what? Someone might be like, Fuck this, dude! I'm putting this over my dick. Like, I, <laughs> like I don't know. Like, it's, well, dude, it was. A, I was trying to like, do I want the socks or the fanny pack? Because I was like, oh, let me just get the socks. Yeah, I mean, the site has everything. Dude. I know, and like, you get the email updates, and they got like the foil pressings and stuff. And what's weird for me is like, I worked for a screen printing company making stuff for you know some of the largest, uh, you know, companies that you'll see like in malls, like you know, PacSun, like a lot of stuff at PacSun. Uh, a lot of stuff you're seeing now at like Target, like the Ripple Junction uh, clothing line that does a lot of uh, licensing through uh, like those vintage shirts that you're starting to see all over the place. So I had kind of a knowledge on a lot of this stuff and like there would be so many things that we would make for companies. I'm like, who is buying this? Like, yeah. made me feel very old. Like, I see someone like, that looks stupid. Who's buying this? And then like, like this brand, <laughs> and you can block, blur it out or whatever, I don't know. Uh, DGK, like they basically 
exist in the world, same as like Johnny Cupcakes, uh, in the world of parody. Um, so I guess because <laughs> it's not technically what it is, so like DGK's thing is taking a still from a, a popular movie yeah. and like animating it. Oh, okay. And then selling it for like wow. 35 bucks a pop. And we're like making like, you know, we've done one for like Boys in the Hood. We've done one for like Menace to Society. Like we're printing them by like the thousands every week. Really? And you're like, who is buying this? There's a website uh, that always pops up called Dumb Good. Hear the... <laughs> Did you see them yet for the name? <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> That's a Gene Simmons move, man. If he stopped me anything, I want to get to the level where Gene I can start Simmons, suing yeah. people. You owe me this money now. Sebastian Bach was at Gene Simmons' house. I don't know if you heard the story. And he was looking at like all the stuff, and he had Kiss phone cases. And Sebastian Bach was like, yeah, man, this is the same phone I have. And he's like, flip, he says a whole shoebox full of them. He goes... Hey man, do you mind if I have one? Gene Simmons said, "You can Kiss. go on thekiss.com." <laughs> he's like, you know, uh, and he's like, "Dude, wouldn't give me one." I no. thought that was funny. Can't have a mansion. You can't have a Kiss mansion. Kiss Empire. Kiss. <laughs> literally. I mean, that dude's such a prick. He tried. What, what was the word? Word. He tried trademarking. Uh, it was really recently. Oh, I know. I know. I know. I know. Oh, it was this, wasn't it? Wasn't he trying to trademark yes, that? Yes, you're right. You're and right. You're like, yeah, yeah. Was that it? <laughs> Consensus, that was yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're such a prick. You want to make money off of this? Yeah, because he said love gun because he's doing that <laughs> on the cover. Yeah, and, but 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 Dio was like, oh, I, it was me. It was his mom like yeah. came up with well, it. Well, it's you know? a form of sign language. Yeah. So it's like it's almost like when people are like like every time I die is one of my favorite bands, and people are like, you can't like I got into trouble with someone because I made a shirt for Andy and it used the the eye and someone's like, well that was my logo or my thing and I was like, you don't own. You don't. You can't copyright yeah. the old English eye. Like no one can own that. That's just a font. It exists. Yeah, it's crazy. So like, if I want to make bootleg Etid merch with the eye, as long as I don't say every time I die, yeah. I could use a photo I took, put it on a shirt, and use the eye. Don't mention the band name, but like everyone's gonna know what it is. Yeah, I can do that all day long. Do you enjoy doing that, making shirts and stuff? No, <laughs> no. It's it is it is some of the like. It's not hard work. But it's the attention to detail, because like imagine, so like we'll use this as an example. So like imagine this coming through. I have to look at it upside down and I have maybe three to four seconds to try to see like, oh, this gray, there's a line and the gray's like running out or we got to fill the ink or screen's breaking down or whatever. I have three seconds to look at this and go, that looks right. Looks like how it's been running. Put it down a dryer. Make sure that like, you know, none of the sleeves or whatever are going to like the ink doesn't touch yeah. anything else tedious yeah do you ever do it drunk do you, can you drink and do this at the same time because it seems you, like it'd be hard i've not I mean, not on the job on the clock but i definitely have had some drinks without when we're doing like outside work when i used to do that but it's i mean it's still the attention to detail like my eyes probably just suffered after doing that job yeah. for like five years yeah it sounds pretty awful it's and it's like in the middle of summer like you got to think season so like in summer you're already preparing for uh winter so you're doing oh, okay. hoodies in the middle of summer so touching hoodies and grabbing them, yeah. Standing next to a 400 degree dryer, with flash units going off that are going to probably like 180, 200 degrees, just, and then you're just sitting there, and you can't usually have a fan on you really or anything because that can compromise the screens or the inks or anything. Something getting into it. Does your sweat ever just drop? Miserable. <laughs> well, I'm not on a screen, but yeah. I, so that's a funny thing. So we at one point we're doing stuff for Drake's clothing company, OVO. Wow. And we were cool. doing a sample run, and I remember sweating so bad and I was just like sweating on something and I think like this sounds so terrible like I just had <laughs> such bad swamp ass and like I just kind of was like like kind of like doing one of those where you're just like pushing the shirt on your back to like just get all the sweat off you 
And then, like, I'm touching the shirt, and then, like, a week later, I saw Drake wearing it. I was like, so indirectly, Jake's probably had, like, my ass sweat on his, like, thing, because I don't know if he washed them. So, claim to fame. I've probably indirectly been next to Drake, or on Drake. In Drake, maybe. I don't know. In Drake. <laughs> I don't know how to follow that up. That's great, man. <laughs> oh, that's good. We should make the whole thing about that. Drake's... Uh... And being inside Drake. Uh, so you brought a bunch of beer here. I did. Um, I brought you uh, Deftones. Yes. Is that the first time you've had it? Uh, yes. Uh, what do you my think? Other, it's good. One of my other friends that's here lives out in Oregon, and they always, and I probably shouldn't say this, uh, send me beer because uh, I can't get this in Michigan. No, you can't. Uh, no, I can't get this in Michigan because um, the distribution is <laughs> not there. And uh, it is a thing where... These become collector's items, really. Like, even, yeah. like, the beer's good. Um, when we went out to Arizona recently, I got to have the uh, Digital Bath, I believe, is the one I had. And it's so hard, because, you're, like, you're, like, they kind of become these, like, keepsakes, where you're, like, well, it's cool to keep the, you know, everything as it is, like, as a collector of stuff. And yeah. You're, like, you know, like, we became this generation. It's, like, I'm going to buy this thing, and I'm never touching it. Right. Isn't it cool that I have this thing? And yeah. you're, like... What is it like? I never felt so dumb when I bought a Pop Funko once of uh, CM Punk, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's so cool!" And my wife just goes, "What does it do?" And I go, "Nothing." <laughs> and I was like, I felt so fucking stupid being like, "I yeah, I spent like money on this thing that does nothing, but it's cool. I have it. It looks cool. Yeah. So like, it's beer. It's one of those things. Like you know, having the beers. Like you know, we have the I have the bottles of these. Oh yeah. Um, so you I mean, don't drink them, you just keep them? Yeah, well, initially I was going to have Brock from 36 on the show, and I was going to bring him some of the Deftones beers, and we were going to drink them for the show and just kind of talk about beers and so forth. And this just never happened, so I never opened them. And they're still sitting on my shelf. And so it's like one of those things where like I have two, and the goal was always drink one, keep the other one. Right. But then I'm always afraid that, like, what if it's like the best beer I've ever had? Yeah. And then I can't get any more. And then I'm just going <laughs> to look at it and be like, I know how good that is, and now I want it. <laughs> but it expires though, right? After a while, so it wouldn't be as. Good. I don't know. KB like Founders uh, does a really great job of uh, reselling old, you know, KBS like from oh, yeah? years past. So, hmm. I mean, uh, we were just at a store over in Little Five Points, and I saw like I think a KBS from last year or whatever. And it's like I know someone's gonna open it and drink it. Yeah, I mean, technically, it's you know sealed. So that's true. Uh, I, I love this. This uh, I've never had it before, but I love it. Blueberry lemonade. It's so good. Like, so I'm not much for like shandies and stuff like that, but uh, that's become one of my right here. yeah. It's become one of my favorite uh, breweries in Michigan, oh, yeah. Saugatuck. Um, they have a really good. Uh, um, that's it's just like a nice, easy drinking shandy. I like it. I really do. It's uh, it's so easy to drink. You can like, I and love that's it, the problem. Actually. You drink a couple of those, and then you're just like, oh. I sneak up on same with white claws. Oh yeah, drink a couple of those and yeah, that's hardcore. I mean, then again, I always do mine with a shot of whiskey, but Have you... <laughs> <laughs> so it may be the whiskey that gets me, not the white claws. But I'll just blame it on the white claws. Dude, I appreciate bringing all these beers over here, mm -hmm. man. I, I got you a beer, and you bought me a, a ton of beers. Well, that's I mean, that's kind of the thing too. Like you know, I've run into instances where some guests won't come on the show because mm -hmm. we talk about drinking, even though. Typically, I think other than the Amigo the Devil one, where I found out he worked for a brewery and went to culinary school. So I was like, okay, like this is a dude who is so far into what makes things, like mm. at a very basic level. That's songwriting. Yeah. Like you take a couple of things, maybe some ideas, some inspirations, and you put them together and you, you come up with your own thing. And so, like, I was like, that's my hook. That's how I'm going to talk to him and bring beer and bring a bunch of other stuff into it and 
do an interview I haven't heard him do yet. And like, I mean, you can hear it. Like we just opened a beer and I think we were doing it like on like 10 or 11 on a Saturday. Yeah. And he was like, what are you drinking? I was like, I'm drinking. He's like, give me a second. I'm gonna go get one. I was like, all right. (laughs) And then like when we've met a couple of times, uh, like he brought some new Blaris uh, stuff, like him and his lady. And that was the first time I've ever had that. And now like my wife and I have been like, we gotta go. We gotta go get that beer. Yeah. It's so good. And I think that's kind of the fun thing is, you know, going around and traveling and trying different, you know, cocktails, trying different beers and so forth. Like you kind of get to get a a little bit, literally local flavor. Um, So to me, like I, in my traveling, I think, I think Michigan's got some of the best beer. I think it is expansive. Like, you know, this is this founder's beer. This black is beautiful. Um, I know labels out. Um, Is one of those things where a bunch of breweries are basically doing a collaboration series and Founders is doing one. Uh, Mark from Nothing More sending me one from the, the Texas version. Oh, that's cool. Um, so it's kind of cool to get something like that where like you see a bunch of people kind of going like, this is something we're all doing. It's different, and everyone has a unique take on it, but it's under the umbrella of the same thing. And I yeah. think that's kind of cool. You know, the Kalamazoo style, the whole reason I brought that is that's where I grew up. Like once I moved out from the East Coast to Michigan, I lived in Kalamazoo, so it's literally a little flavor of my hometown. <laughs> and Bell's is one of the, you know, I guess becoming one of the biggest breweries here in the States mm-hmm. uh, behind Founders, really. Um, this one is just, I mean, some people feel really weird about peanut butter in their beer. Do you like it? That is one of my favorite beers. Like, a lot of these are my favorite beers. Like, this one I like because, like, blood orange, honey, like, sounds weird. Blood orange usually in beer doesn't yeah. really come through. But this one, like, has a really good blood orange flavor. The honey and the wheat and, the you know, the honey uh, ale and all that kind of stuff, it just it works so well. It's a brewery that a lot of people aren't going to know. It's kind of, like, up north. Um, something different and that's kind of my thing that I keep coming back to with Michigan beers is like you know I've been out to Seattle I've been out to Washington I've been you know down south east coast and like you know sometimes you go to these places and you're like yep that's that's a stout that's an Mm -hmm. IPA that's a porter but you didn't do anything you just made one yeah to me it's like the 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 real goal and the trick is do something with it make it different make it Mm -hmm. unique make it your own and that's what all of these are. Yeah, like, these definitely are, man. This is one we went to a, a beer festival, and they were uh, doing samples, and we're, I was like, an oatmeal cream pie. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? What is that gonna be like? And we tried it. It was super good. We went to the brewery. It's like an hour away from us. And the you know the head brewmaster was like, yeah. So we put, and I might have the number wrong, but I swear he said like something like fifty pounds of marshmallow fluff in in this. <laughs> and you're like, wow, okay, like. Never would have thought of that. We had a brewery that went under, but they used to do a bubblegum IPA, and they put like a hundred, I think, hundred pounds of double bubble, really, into the beer. And it's like you know, like that's what gets me excited. Like, do something different, yeah, man, and then have a fun story to tell about it. Like, yeah, I tried this, and the first one, holy shit, that was so gross, <laughs> that did not work. So what we had to do is we went away from, you know, gum balls, we went to double bubble, or you know, things like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. do something kind of different, yeah. and make it unique, because there's a story to tell, and then. Keep adding to the lineage of the story of the of the breweries and so forth. Good lord, man, that's so cool. I love that. Yeah, cool, man. Uh, and so, uh, what else? Is that it? I don't know. It's your show. Yeah, I know, man. I I, I, I keep thinking about you talking about Swamp Fest. I'm just talking about all that, dude. <laughs> I mean, you live out here. You know, you know that it, you know yeah, that's humidity, really, like, the humidity will get you. Man. We were all thinking it when I was saying the sweat. You know, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, man, I love your show. Really you. speaking, it's great, man. Thank you for coming here on on the show. It's nice meeting you and your wife and your friends. Yeah, thanks for having we us. Yeah, definitely hang out. And uh, man, I love all these beers. I can't wait to drink this uh, peanut butter though and the oatmeal. That's amazing. Yeah, it's uh, those are two of my favorites. I can't speak. Actually, I can speak to that one. I have had that one. I was gonna say I don't think I've had that one yet, but 
I went and had it on draft. It is okay. Uh, the <laughs> flavor that it said it has, and I mean, that's kind of always the fun thing, too, because, like, you know, like something uh, Mark and I always go back and forth on is, you know, like peanut butter. Yeah. What do you think of when you when you hear peanut butter? The jelly. Okay. So that's the funny <laughs> thing, though. Like, there are, like, there's a, one of the, another brewery in town that makes a pe- peanut butter and jelly, PB and Jelly. It's from yeah. Brewing. Excuse me. And uh, it's one of those things where I like it. But it's the way that some of these beers are sold. You're like, okay, like I have an idea, peanut butter. Okay, I'm thinking, you know, like some people might like crunchy peanut butter. Yeah. It has a different flavor than smooth peanut butter. Yeah. Or peanut butter and chocolate. Dude, but like, this could be like a Netflix. Like this could oh, be a, a show on this, you know. I mean, that's why like, you know, like a, a channel like Vice exists. You know, like the high yeah. cooking or the you know cooking with beers or any of that kind of stuff. So, it's it's just endless, and I think we're in a really interesting space with the the idea of all this and. You know, something we've even tried pushing on the show badly on our end, but is, you know, the idea of other craft things, craft cocktails, craft, you know, you're seeing loose leaf teas like all over the yeah. place now booming. Um, you know, coffees. Uh, coffee is expanding so much now. Oh, yeah. And so the idea really is just like, I like the idea of sitting down with whatever the preferred beverage is and just having a conversation because I feel like in this day and age, like you and I have just been talking for however long we've been talking and mm-hmm. don't have a phone. We haven't looked at a phone. Most of the people it's around nice. us right now are on their phones. Yeah. And I feel like we're missing that. We're missing going back to just basic communication and understanding how to have a conversation with people. I think right now, as a whole in the country, there's, there's a lot of problems that stem just from that, that mm-hmm. basic fundamental concept. God, man. Well said, brother. Thank you for being on the show, yeah, man. Thank this you. is awesome, dude. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers, man. Look, look. <laughs> Double fist and you're making me jealous. I got to get the white claw out now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Slam that peanut butter. <laughs>